Here is Mandrew, sat kind of position. Oh, what a goal! What a goal from Danny Mandrew! The shot comes in! Oh, what a screamer! This is the real heart of soccer, quite frankly. Oh, my God, what a finish. Well, Jordan Flores met that on the meet. Hello there, and welcome to LOI Arena Podcast, episode number eight. It's Con Murphy and Conan Byrne with you once more. On this week's episode, we're going to be chatting with Dave Rogers, a three-time league winner with Shelburne. Dave is coming back to Ireland after a spell in charge of FC Arizona in America. He also had spells managing Liverpool's academy. He was an assistant manager to the Indian national team as well as a club level in India. Um, he's had lots of experience around the world and an interesting character. So we'll be chatting shortly with Dave. A reminder that LOI Arena is brought to you by Pundit Arena. And thanks a million for registering with us and uh, listening to the podcast, Pundit Arena, building their coverage of the uh, League of Ireland. This podcast is part of that package. Well, Conan, um, good week. Yes, Con, yes, very good week. Um, some interesting uh, stuff that's happened in the League of Ireland, both on and off the pitch. So looking forward to delve into that. Um, and obviously then looking forward to speak to Dave Rogers about uh, about his career so far and what he, what, he is, um, what he has in store for the future. Yeah, yeah. Well, look, uh, in the Premier Division this weekend, two matches on Friday, Finn Harps won, Dundalk won, uh, Drogheda three, St. Pat's won. That's a great win for Drogheda. We'll talk about that in a second. Then on Saturday, uh, Shamrock Rovers won, Derry City won, and Bowes 2-0 winners at Longford, the uh, Sligo Rovers-Waterford game um, awarded to Sligo because of that COVID situation in Waterford. So maybe if we start with the games on Friday night and from... Dundalk's point of view, it's still only two wins in 11 games. I know they had that uh, controversy during the week when the players were um, spotted up in Belfast and they apologised for that and stuff, but it, it could have got worse. I mean, Finn Harps 1-0 up through Barry McNamee's absolute cracker before Mitzcoggan equalised for Dundalk, but they're still Dundalk, you know, they're still not firing on all cylinders. No, they're not. And I suppose the, the managerial situation as well isn't helping it. I think that the sooner they get somebody in, Con, um, the better all around, because then at least they can they can work on things that the manager wants to have in place. Obviously, Jim, the Jilton didn't come down here to be manager of the, foot, of the football club, and he's found himself in that position. So it's taken away from his role. Um, so, yeah, it's look, it's, a bit, it's still a bit of a mess. And um, be totally honest, both on and off the pitch, they're not performing well enough. Um, Jimmy Jilton spoke in his interview after the game about how well prepared that the that the team were in the dressing room before the game. The warm up was great; everybody was sharp. And then when the whistle blows, they just they didn't. They weren't looking for the ball, and it was very noticeable. Finn Harp should have been possibly two three nil up before uh, before half time. Obviously, talked about there Barry McNamee's absolutely stunning effort um, to put them ahead. But in fairness to them, they regrouped at half time. They got the goal and. Um, perhaps uh, would be disappointed that they didn't go on and win the game. Yeah, it's got to be a worry for them. I mean, they're they're on 11 points. So they're 16 points behind Shamrock Rovers at this point. Uh, for a team that, you know, came into the uh, season, at least I'm sure expecting to be challenging at the top. Uh, it's I just, why is it taking so long to get a manager in? Um, I think you might, could be the reason that, as I said last week, they could be waiting for the for a manager to to leave his position. Um, I talked last week about David Healy and the possibility. And the more that it's it, we're 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 
waiting for that um, a manager to come in, the more I'm thinking that it could possibly be him. Um, we'll be talking to, to Dave Rogers later on. I'm sure that he'd be interested in the role. Um, but there's a lot of people that have that would be interested in Dundalk, Con, but it's getting the right person um, and the right personality to get to to get in there. And that's the most important thing now for Dundalk. Dundalk aren't going to win the league. It's the most important thing now is for them to get into Europe um, for next season. That's the big, that would be the big task ahead for the new manager. Um, and look, the, the way they're playing at the moment, it doesn't look that way. But with the players that they have in the squad, they are well capable of getting into that, um, into them, into those European places, whether they win a cup um, like they did last season or um, get into that top four. Yeah, yeah. Um, second defeat in a row for St. Pat's. Um, draw to 3-1 winners. Dane Massey with a... They'll have to start calling him Dane Messi. Such was his skill with that uh, free oh, kick. It that's was terrible. <laughs> I, I thought that was good. I worked on that for a few days. <laughs> uh, another goal for Mark Doyle as well. And then Jordan Adameo uh, rounding things off. But after the 7-0 win last week, um, albeit against the under-19s of Waterford, that's uh, 10 goals in two weeks for Drada. Um, smashing win for Tim's men. A smashing win. And I'm, I actually want to talk about Gary Deegan con today. Um because I suppose last year I would have been very critical of him in the Shelburne team in the sense that I didn't think that he had the, um, I don't know, the, he, he lacked discipline in games that he, that they needed him the most. And this season um, he's been absolutely immense. And I don't know whether that's the man management of Tim Clancy and, and, and Kev Doherty getting the best out of Gary. Um but he just seems like a completely different player um, on the pitch. And he's been crucial to draw to success. Obviously, when you have the likes of Mark Doyle, who's come into the Premier Division this season um, for his first campaign, and he's been absolutely superb. The likes of Chris Lyons as well, Ronan Murray, Darren Markey has, has got a new lease of life now, going back to part-time football um, from St. Pat's. They've been brilliant going forward. But it's the other end of the pitch that I've been really, really impressed with. And as I said, Gary Deegan protecting the back four, Dane, Dane Massey, obviously, and Daniel O'Reilly at the heart of the defence. James Brown has been has been getting a lot of praise, um, and rightly so, for his performances. So Drogheda are really, really, are going, are really, really strong this season, Conan. Perhaps a lot of people would have been thinking that they came up from the first division. They wouldn't have been, they, they might have been contenders for relegation, but they were always going to do well with the squad that Tim assembled. But also to, with the way he he coaches and and his, his tactics, the way he sets up his players, it's not the same every single week. It changes, and that just shows how how adaptable he is as a manager. And um, obviously, he's gone through some really heartache himself with the passing of his mother. But um, he's had a brilliant brilliant week. Um, as I said, Ma- uh, Dane Massey's three goals and two games for a centre half um, isn't doing too bad, and. Yeah, onwards and upwards. And it's a, look, it's a fantastic win over a very, very strong Pat side. Pats, Pats were flying. Um, but yeah, draw it up into fourth now and um, really doing well. Yeah, um, for Pats, two defeats in a row. Uh, their next match now is against Bowes as well. So that's not going to be an easy one, Bowes in good form. So uh, I know it's very early in the season, but would that be a concern for you? Or is it just the fact that they played Rovers, conceded a late goal and then came up against a very good draw to team? Yeah, I think so. I think with the manner of the defeat to Shamrock Rovers probably would have hurt the players a little bit longer than if they had just drawn drawn the game. Um, but at the same time, it's 
it's disappointing that they would they were that they went down to head in the game park and they didn't get any anything out of the game. And Stephen O'Donnell did say after the game that they just didn't turn up. They gave they gifted the goals, um, un, uncharacteristically in uncharacteristically Chris Forrester gave the ball away for the first goal and then Jamie Lennon had to make the tackle um to, uh, in the lead up to Dane Massey's goal. And Mark Doyle's as well. He came in from the sideline and kind of ricocheted off a couple of players, but a wonderful finish. But it should never have. He should never have had the opportunity to put the ball to, to to strike the ball from the edge of the box. So, um, the manner of the goals that they conceded were were poor. Um, but they did come back in the second half. They got the goal through Lambert's first goal for the club, and um, they did have a few chances to equalise before. Obviously, Jordan Adiyamo, um, got his first Premier League uh, Premier League goals or yeah Premier League goals. So it's yeah it's it's great for him. Brilliant for Drada. Um. But Stephen O'Donnell will be uh, will be cursing with the way his team performed in the first half on Friday. Mm. Uh, the other two games played on Saturday then Shamrock Rovers and Derry City. Uh, will patching a penalty for Derry on forty nine minutes. Rory Gaffney the equaliser for Rovers on fifty six. Bit of controversy about the Rovers equaliser throw in, uh, which should have been taken back closer to the halfway line, about ten or fifteen yards forward. Throw in Rory Gaffney scores from that. And I think a lot of Derry City fans, I know Rory Higgins wasn't too pleased after the game either by that. Uh, he, he Actually, Rory Higgins, in fairness to him, s- said that Graham Kelly had refereed the game well and is a very good referee. But that was an error. I, I say for, from a, t- a player's point of view, it must be very frustrating when you know a throw-in gets taken 15 yards further ahead from where the ball should be and they go on and score from it. Yeah, but that's where the players have to surround the referee, you know, and they have to be going absolutely crazy that the decision has gone against them. Because then later on in the game, a little 50-50 would go in their favour then after that, you know. But look, you still you still have to defend. And I've been speaking about Rory Gaffney over the last number, number of weeks and how impressive I, I've been in his performances. Obviously, he, I still... He, even though for his age he still can be very very raw with his play um but his movement con today was was exceptional it was really really good um and the, the I listened to a bit of Pat Byrne on commentary he was very very impressed with the way, with the with the angles of his runs and then obviously we're going to listen to Pat Byrne when we're talking about strikers um and he was really really impressed with the movement that of Rory Gaffney and um, he fully deserved his goal but um yeah like i know we're all we're sitting here and we're talking about shamrock rovers six points clear at the top of the league but can't they haven't hit their full like their full set of gears yet they're they're still a little bit off um and if they do click the way that they can this, this league could be over very very quickly um especially with the way like pats are dropping points uh, Dundalk, where they are, Bowes obviously on a little bit of a mini revival, but they're still thirteen points off Shamrock Rovers. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm a bit worried, Con, in the sense that Shamrock Rovers could win this league. I said by the by the end. Of I'm the not summer, so right? sure though. I'm not so sure. No, I don't know. Um, I, there's a big game coming up um, Monday week. Uh, Sligo Rovers come to Talent to play Shamrock Rovers, uh, and that could be you know an important one. Um, but it's 33 matches unbeaten for the hoops, which is like it's an extraordinary, you know, um, amazing record. They're away to Dundalk next, though, um, on Friday night. So 
two tough games coming up for Shamrock Rovers away to Dundalk and then at home to Sligo Rovers so next weekend could be a telling weekend from that point of view if they were to say win both of those matches then we could start I think talking in terms of how much are they going to win by but do you not think if they, they should Duncan? I think Dundalk are always dangerous I, I know they're not playing well at the moment but you know they're a team full of good players and they'd be well up for a match against Rovers now Um Likewise, can you imagine Liam Buckley talking to his troops coming down to Tala saying, boys, this is our chance. You know, so I think there are two huge games uh, next weekend and I wouldn't be um, too sure that, that Rovers are going to get six points from those two games at all. Um, I think Derry City deserve a lot of credit as well. Um, you know, when you look at what they've done under Rory Higgins away from home since he came in, winning at Bowes, winning away to Sligo Rovers and getting a point away from home at Tala and, and you know pushing Shamrock Rovers all the way um, although they're still in the bottom half of the table it looks as if things are coming together a bit if, if only they could start winning matches at home yeah absolutely like and obviously their disappointment at, at losing to Finn Harps as well Con um, that would have in the manner in the manner of the way they, they lost them as well having gone 1-0 up and then conceding a very very late Adam Foley goal but as you say, their away form has been absolutely extraordinary, beating Sligo, um, Bohemians, and obviously getting a draw at Shamrock Rovers, which was a great result. And I'm sure Rudy would have snatched, snapped the hand off you if you had offered him a point heading down to Tala this evening. Um, so, yeah, really, really impressed with with uh, with Rudy's start. To, and it doesn't surprise me in the slightest, Con, because he's been, um, as I said, he's got a, a glowing reputation um, in domestic circles for his his coaching ethos so um long let may, may that continue for uh, bohemians it's another win uh two nil away to longford liam burt with an absolute cracker he only scores great goals now it seems and then ali coot another goal for him so two nil win at uh, longford for bows and uh, two wins in a row for them and as i was saying they play pats next week so that's going to be a a big one for bows as they try and make it three in a row but uh, mid-table at the moment two yeah. wins in a row if they can put together another couple of wins over the next uh, two weeks you know see them yeah. into the top half and where we'd expect to find them really yeah a bit similar to Derry in, in the sense of their away form um, 10 points from 6 games away from home where their home form has been really poor um, 5 games and they've only picked up 4 points so I suppose they like a lot of I don't know what can you explain that I don't know but I've, I've always talked about their attacking threat but a lot of people are talking about the the absence of Dan Casey at the back, who who went over to America in the off season, um, and you can look, you can pick apart any but any team's play and and try and find out what's going on. But in fairness to Liam Burtcon, he's he, he he was brilliant in Tallow when when Bowes um went out to Shamrock Rovers, and um, what a what a wonderful goal he scored today in 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 City Calling Stadium as well, um. Just the way he connected with it, like he kind of like on the outs, he kind of hit across it, and um, keeper had no chance. It was a wonderful goal. I think. Look, I think Bowes will be okay. I, I do worry about their goals. I really do. Um, the likes of Liam Burt, you can't rely on him the whole time. Um, Georgie Kelly needs to needs to start scoring goals. Con, that's um, the, the the main. He's he's their he's their attacking threat. He's their number nine. You need him to score goals. And um, but a wonderful win. In fairness, two 0 away from home to Longford. Who look? They set up really, really well. They're dogged. They're they're strong. Um, but they'd be delighted with that win away from home this evening. 
listen, over the last few weeks as well, um, the situation in Waterford, you've obviously been talking about it and, and felt that, you know, change was in the offing um, before Kevin Sheedy and, and Mike Newell left. So they've appointed Mark Bircham now in the last few days, which is another interesting appointment, but it's another manager who doesn't really know anything about the league or you would expect is going to come in without too much inside knowledge. Um, what do you make of it? I'm not surprised, Con. Um, I'm not surprised about the appointment considering the previous appointments. Obviously, for football in Waterford, I want Mark to be successful. Um, I'd love him to come in and to bring a, a brand of football um, um, that people of Waterford will enjoy, that he, he rejuvenates the club. Um, well, I look. I don't know. I don't know. Um, I it's going to be very, very interesting. He's putting up tweets about watching games back, and obviously has no clue about the squad that he has. He's in in um quarantine at the moment. I just don't understand why the club don't have a look at bringing in a person that knows the league well. Um, there's plenty of managers out there that would jump at the chance of managing Waterford. Like I said, they're a big club, um, lovely facilities, great supporters, huge history. I think they deserve somebody that will um that will that will do that to the, that will bring the club forward. And if Mark's the person can't, well absolutely brilliant. But um I'm just a bit weary of him the of, of the because of the fact that he doesn't know anything about the league and he's I don't know. I just, yeah. although in, in fairness to him, obviously we have to reserve judgment. Uh, we have seen in the past the likes, say, of Paul Cook. When Paul came into the league, you wouldn't know how much he knew about it, and yet he he was a force of nature. And um, you know, there are probably off the top of your head, you could name half a dozen who've done that. Um, so I suppose Waterford will be hoping that things go in the. The, the right direction for them under Mark Bircham. I think it's going to be an interesting uh, time. But yeah, let's hope uh, so. I, like as I said, I'm not saying that it's a poor appointment, Con. No. I'm saying that I wanted to. I, I'm. I want him to do really, really well. I really, yeah. really do. I'm. I'm. I'm behind him. It's just that I. I'm. Just surprised that uh, I'm surprised with the appointment. Put that way. Yeah. 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 Okay, well, look, we'll see how that goes. Their next match uh, is at home to Derry, and then they have a home match against Finn Harp. So they've two home matches in a row as they kind of try and bounce back from this uh, COVID situation, which uh, has, you know, tripped them up over the last couple of weeks. Um, we'll look at the first division in the Women's National League uh, a bit later on. We're going to talk now, though, with. Um, Dave Rogers, who, as I was saying at the top, won the league three times with Shelburne back at uh, the start of the noughties, has been coaching with FC Arizona in America of late. And uh, Conan and myself uh, caught up with Dave uh, during the week, had a chat with him. And, and we first started speaking to him about coming back to Ireland, having uh, had a spell in Arizona uh, and the reasons for that uh, return to the uh, old sod after... Um, uh, the I, I the old sod. What am I, I sound like some American Kamalia guy from the 1950s. <laughs> anyway, Dave is coming back from FC Arizona, and he explained to Conan and myself why that move has come about. So you're in Arizona at the moment. The sun is coming up. The birds are chirping outside. It's early in the morning, but you're coming back to Ireland. And really, although Arizona seems like an amazing place to be, 
um, COVID and, and family issues have intervened. Yeah, absolutely, Con. And, and again, it's made me step back and, and reflect and just realise, you know, what, what's important in life. And like I said, I've, I'm a person of ambition. My wife, she supports me all the way. She knows where I want to get to, you know, as, as a manager and as a coach. But I think it's just got to this stage where, you know, I've had to put the family first for once and, you know, realise what's more important at this at this time in my career, in my life. Um, we've always had a plan to move back to Ireland anyway, um, or even the UK, as long as we're based within that, you know, that, that vicinity. Um, but again, I'm one of these people, you know, where I, I get itchy feet and I'm ready and I'm, I'm always, you know, wanting the next challenge and wanting to step forward and, um, it just happens now that I'm ready to, to look for that next challenge in Ireland. You mentioned your wife there, Michelle. Um, how big of a support has she been throughout everything? Because I suppose we forget sometimes the the impact that it has on on the wife, the partner um, of a footballer, of a manager, of a coach. How big a part does she play in all this? Colin, she's been phenomenal. Um, you know yourself, mate, be, being in the game, um, if you don't have have somebody strong alongside you that supports you, then it's it's going to be difficult. For me, Michelle's been unbelievable. Um, I'm out the door at four a.m. every morning over here with the first team, and then with the 23s team, and then back to the office and, and planning and programming and putting the structures in place for the club. Sometimes not getting home till eight, nine, ten o'clock at night. Um, not seeing the kids wake up for school. You know, not putting them to bed at night time. So it's been a really tough sort of challenge for Michelle as well. Um, and I think that's when I look back and said, you know what, now it's time to make that decision and time to, you know, hopefully I've left this club in, in a much healthier position than, than when I arrived two years ago. Um, infrastructure and foundations in place. Um, but now it's it's time to be back with the family. You know, a little bit of Irish cooking, obviously back to the, the colder weather. Um, but no, we're, we're excited to come back. It's the right time and it's definitely the right thing to do. And, you know, onwards and upwards, as we say. You've younger kids with you there in Arizona, Dave, but you'll have other family back here who obviously with COVID and everything you, you haven't seen in quite a long time, really. Yeah, Con, it's, uh, like I said, we've got um, our 22-year-old Chelsea. She's back in Dundalk. Um, my fourth, well, she was 14 the last time I seen her, Casey. She's now 16. Um, and it's just been heartbreaking. And no matter how much you love the job that you do, um, I'm not going to sit here and, and lie. Con, that it's been emotional, um, not being able to hold my daughter, not being able to, you know, just embrace her. Um, trying to put other people first at times has been difficult because you know in the back of your mind that you, you've got family back home. I mean, my parents, you know, thank God we, we, we still have both sets of parents and we, we appreciate that. But little Rocco's only five and Bobby's only 18 months and it's not fair on the families not seeing the two boys grow up and, that's why we just made that collective decision to say, you know what, um, we've had a fantastic time here. We've made unbelievable friends. It's been a, 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 the next step and, and be back home with all our loved ones. And like you said, especially through this this crazy, unprecedented time that we've all faced. I see that you're wearing the um, Head in the Game T-shirt and you're, you were the first male um, ambassador for, for the initiative. I'm thinking that just by the way you're talking there, that you've you've found life difficult yourself over the last number of years, being away from home. Um, is that why you got involved, Coleman? Do you know what? It, absolutely spot on. 
Um, and it has it has only sort of hit me more since this pandemic. Um, every other time I've I've lived abroad with, with you know with Liverpool in India and South Korea, um, there's been no problem because you could always have a flight home. You could always go on a holiday for a week or two. You could always come back and visit people. People could come and visit us. But this last 18 to 20 months, none of that's been happening. We couldn't leave the country. Obviously, the pandemic flights. It, it, if if you were an American citizen, you could fly to Dublin and and, and come back. But if you weren't if you weren't a citizen, then you couldn't go anywhere. And people couldn't come over and visit us. So it was it was tough, mate. And I'm I'm not one of these people that will hide and and shy away from everything. I found it really difficult, really really difficult. I see Michelle finding it difficult. Um, it was really tough, mate. And again, it did affect me um, emotionally. You know, I've cried myself to sleep at night. Not ashamed to say it because I miss my daughter. I miss the family. Um, but then you've got to wake up the next morning, put your game face on because a lot of people are relying on you to to be the face of the club and, you know, to be the one, that, the go-to person that can fix things. And, and then when you come back home again, you're getting five or six hours sleep and then it's, you know, back to the same routine. And listen, like I said, I absolutely love what I do, mate. But um, this past 18 months has really took its toll and made me realise that me and Michelle and the kids, we need to be back home and we need to be around our loved ones and we need to be looking ahead, closer to home and, and, and just looking for that next opportunity. It has been an amazing journey, though, uh, Dave. I mean, we'll, we'll talk about your time with Shelburne and, and winning three League of Ireland's under Pat Fenlon and so on. But when you eventually did move into management, you know, as you, you mentioned, the Liverpool Academy, um, being abroad in India, South Korea, Arizona, it's been a, an amazing journey. You know what, Conan, I wouldn't swap it. Uh, sorry, Con, I wouldn't swap it for anything. Um, it's, it's, like I said, it's educated me unbelievably not just on the field but off the field it's developed my life skills it's took me out of my comfort zone um, which is something that I always wanted to do not just as a player but as a coach as well I mean how could you be you know being an Evertonian how could you reject working as Liverpool International Academy manager um, strange putting the kit on at times the red kit and looking at it you know a little bit you know uh, surreal but um, an amazing football club to be part of like I said, you know, I was only on my, on my UEFA B licence when that opportunity came around. Um, you know, getting the chance to be the assistant manager for the Indian national team, going on to win the SAF Cup. You know, I've worked with international players. Con, it's it's a phenomenal experience. Um, developing players that, you know, I still speak, in, speak to regularly all over the world who are playing professional and doing really well for themselves. That's job satisfaction. Um Taken over at DSK Shivajins in India when I signed Shane McFall. Um, Conan knows him really well. And Shane will, will tell you it was a really tough, challenging time because we never got paid for six months. So when you're the manager of a team and the players aren't getting paid and they're knocking at your door and they're crying in your arms and no coaching qualification can, can, can set you up for that. So again, you know, you've got to have the right people around you. I had great staff around me who supported me. Um, and the players were phenomenal. We, we stuck together. We went on to win a cup. We finished sixth in the league. So I've done my my groundwork, as we say, and I've done it well. Um, and I'm proud of that. Oh. 
to get away. You've got to get you, you know, take the playing hat off, put your coaching hat on, and really go and embrace the challenges that face you. And I think I've done that really well. Um, I love a challenge. I'm not afraid to take take a risk, as you can see with all the, the stamps that I've got on my passport. Um, but no, it's it's been phenomenal. Um, I'm, I want to keep getting better. I, I believe I'm good at what I do. I'm, I'm really good at making players better. I, I leave clubs in a healthier place. Um, you know, I've won things, but I want to keep challenging myself and I want to keep progressing. And the only way to do that is, is, is to keep you know, to embrace whatever comes around the corner and, 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 and you know, face it head on and, and do it with, with pride and integrity. Your CV is, is, is very impressive, um, considering where you've worked, obviously, um, as a player, obviously, but also as, as a coach and manager, obviously starting off with the Liverpool Academy and um, moving on to club fo- uh, international football, assistant manager at India. Um, then obviously then with Shivayans, uh, is it? Shivayans? Shivajians, DSK Shivajians. Shivajians, yeah. Um, and then obviously then over to Arizona, where you were technical director and head coach. So your CV could nearly say that you could probably work at a higher level than probably where you are at the moment. So is the League of Ireland the next step for you in terms of that's what that's what you want, League of Ireland football? Colin, I, like I said, mate, I've, the League of Ireland was very good to me in my career as a player. Um I, I, I watch it regularly. I watch it weekly. You know, I'm always up to date with what's going on. And it's always a place where I know if I get the right club and the right opportunity. I, I Listen, first of all, I know what I'm good at. I believe in what I'm good at. Um, and I know that I could make an impact, a huge impact to any club that that, that would, would come in and, and offer me the opportunity to take over. Um, yeah, if, I, if I'm sitting here now saying, do I want a job in the League of Ireland? Absolutely. Absolutely. I feel as though I, I could bring a freshness, a, 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 an enthusiasm, um, a new sort of direction. Bring. Um, there's a lot of good people, as you know, in the League of Ireland, volunteers, fans, players, coaches. Um, and it, it, all them people that are credit to the league, but I also feel the league can still improve in, in every angle, you know, on and off the field. And it's just, it's one of them places that it is close to my heart. And, you know, obviously with the family and with us now moving back home in the next week. Yeah, I'm um, I'm ready for an opportunity that, that may come along and definitely believe that I can I can go and improve and make better a club that, that, that wants to contact me. I'm just thinking uh, the last scouser, who was in charge of a team here uh, in the league did fairly well. The uh, the scouse, Paul Cook, Cookie, <laughs> and, and you know what, Connie? He, he, listen, Cookie, Cookie is what he is. He, he he's down to earth. He's hard working. He's a character, um, and you, you've only got to see where he's gone on to. I mean, to, to go in Ipswich Town now as well. It's fantastic for him. He's a really good track record. But I, I think Cookie will tell you. It's 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 surrounding yourself with the right people as well. When when you've got the right the right staff around you and the, you know the right vision, um, it's definitely look, looking at the likes of Cookie. I mean, Pat Fenlon's always been a mentor to me as well. Roddy Roddy Collins, I can pick the phone up to these people and and, and chat with them. And um, you know, teammates Alan Moore is one of me one of my close friends. Moore's he's just a, a great lad and. 
you know, his, his background speaks for itself. Um, so again, if I'm ready, I'm ready to get home. I'm ready to, to step forward. Um, and again, it's 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 the right time. It's, it's all about the right time and and the right opportunity. Um, it would take something special for me to, you know, to to go in and, and really improve it. Like I said, but um. Like I said, you know, there's a lot of good people in the league. I mean, look at look at look at the job Stephen Bradley's doing at, at, at Shamrock Rovers. Fantastic. You know, the guy was getting a lot of criticism a couple of years ago. Mm. Um, but the, the turnaround and the job he's done and the club have stuck by him. And now they're seeing, you know, the success for, for sticking with him because he Brad's is another top young coach who who's now taking Shamrock Rovers to the levels that they deserve as well. I was only just thinking there when you were talking about taking your player's hat off. How difficult was it then to to to, to that transition from being a player um, to being a coach? Coleman, do you know what? I'll be honest. It, it's it wasn't too difficult in my my own sort of circumstances because I've seen so many good managers and coaches through my career do that transition and, and sort of step away from being a player. Um, Obviously, Pat Fenden being one of them. You know, it's like what I said, if you've got the, the, the support mechanisms around you, then it's half the battle because you can relate. Um, I mean, when I was in India, uh, I brought John Andrews in as, as my, my assistant. And myself and John, you know, we do most of our, our chats and our discussions away from the training ground. We'd, we'd, we'd be sitting in my apartment or his apartment with a bottle of red wine and having a glass, you know, talking about the game and the training and how can we improve and what needs to change? And so that's where you get most of your work done. It's, a, it's away from, from the field where you've got that little relationship building. And um, But yeah, it's, I'll never forget when I done my first coaching course with the FAI back in 2003, myself and Jim Crawford. Jim, Jim's another one who's been a phenomenal support mechanism to me. And I'm, I'm over the moon that Jim's doing so well as the Ireland who uh, Kildare, Kildare, I think was it, to do our, our FAI C license or intermediacy license, and Noel O'Reilly, God, God rest him, absolute phenomenal person and a phenomenal coach. And it was there when I first realised about taking your your playing hat off and putting on your coaching hat. Um, so yeah, it's it's been you take the good and the bad, you take the good experiences experiences um, never try and emulate somebody else you've always got to be true to yourself and be yourself and, and, and be the best you can be do I make mistakes absolutely but as long as you learn from them that's the big thing as long as you can look in the mirror and, and, and realise that you know you'll, you'll do something differently or approach it in a different way 100% the best way to be always reflect and um, yeah and it's just a, it, it, it's a great a great job to be in and I look forward to the, to the next one that comes my way I'm just thinking of your time as head of the Liverpool FC Academy in India um, from a coaching point of view sort of culturally is it much different are the players different when you're dealing with somebody in India versus somebody in South Korea versus somebody in America versus somebody in Ireland Con, completely different every every, every culture and every environment that you go into is if you don't get to know the person first, 
and this this gets lost a lot in not just in in, in sport con but in life but it's all about people if you get an older person and you build up that relationship with the person then i guarantee you they'll run through a brick wall for you and i found that out when i was when i was in india in you know at dsk shavajans and again shane mcfall would, would back me up on any of this um the culture is different the food is different the climate's different and um, the mentality is different so you've got to go in and embed yourself into those cultures because if you don't it'll swallow you up and you'll just fail um, and that's why i pride myself on on going into different countries and different environments and the culture i mean i've learned the languages you know i went to india and i learned hindi because it's unfair for me to go to their country and not show them that respect. The same in South Korea. I never I never learned Korean as good as what I did with Hindi, but still being able to hold a sentence in, in their language, you know, you win over the respect, you win over the, the sort of the culture and, and, and the manners, and they appreciate that. Um, so, yeah, it's, I mean, the, the food that the players eat is completely different, Con. Um, the times that you train is completely different. Everything is, is different, but for me, it's all been for the right reasons. And like I said, in India to this day, there's over I think there's over 55 players that, that came through our academy and DSK are playing international, playing professional, you know, yeah. and, and the same, you know, in, in Korea and obviously over here now in, in Arizona. It's um I take pride in, in in seeing people develop, coaches develop. Um and like I said, it's 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 been a phenomenal journey. And one that's I feel is you know, I was I was thirty six when I retired. I didn't even have a, a coaching badge, so to commit myself and dedicate myself for the last nine years to to improving and, and educating myself on and off the field, you know, I'm I'm at that stage now where I'm I'm, I'm ready to face any 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 opportunity and, and face it head on and you know and, and thoroughly enjoy. It. How do you say "howsy ref" in Hindi? "Howsy ref," up <laughs> 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 I, I'm a, I was uh, I was intrigued there by by the mentality part of it because as a footballer shouldn't you, shouldn't every footballer have the same mentality of going out to win games and to win trophies and to win leagues is, is that different in 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 every culture that you've been to? It's different, Colin, in the fact that you some some countries. Um, I mean, any factor can come into it. The training facilities, the like I said, the weather. Um, religion. When I when I was in India, we had six or seven different religions. So you've got players coming to you saying, "Coach, we need to pray at five o'clock in the morning." When you've got a session at five thirty planned, so then you know it's it, it's it's about managing the individual. Um, so when I say about the, the mentality, if I would have told them five or six players, "Sorry, guys, you can't pray. You've got to come and train," then you lose them players straight away you lose and, and their mentality will change towards you and so you've got to find that balance you've got to find that happy medium where how do you how do you manage the group where they want to look forward to coming training every day they want to you know embrace and, and and show enthusiasm so it's about the respect but also engaging with them and showing them that you care for them and and that you don't just care for them as an athlete but you care for them as a human being as well so being in them cultures, that's definitely the, the, the challenge that I faced was managing the people to get the best out of them and showing them that, you know, you, you want to succeed at the same time. 
You mentioned earlier on as well about um, you went six months without getting paid. Um, how difficult was that as a manager when players are ramming down, like knocking down your door, saying, "What's going on?" Because you're the you're obviously the the main the main person, main point of contact for those players with regards to the club. How yeah. difficult was that, Colin? I, I honestly, I thought, like I said before, mate, until you're in that position. What gave me a little bit of strength in that is that I went through it as a player with Shells. And I talk about my relationship with Pat Fenlon and when they started hitting home in India, the first person I called was Pat Fenlon. And I was ready to walk away because I'd signed players from Serbia. My Spanish captain, Juan Cuero, ex-Real Madrid. You know, I'd sold the club and sold the dream to these boys. Shane McFall, I gave Shane a two-year contract. Um, Sasha Kalija from, from Serbia. I flew to Kazakhstan to watch him play and meet him personally because I believed in these people and they believed in me and the project. Um, and then when you've got players knocking on your door, Cole, and they're crying in your arms and Gaffer, you know, I've got to pay the bills. And I, it's, it's the most disheartening, emotional thing you can ever go through. And it's like what I said, Cole, um, no coaching qualification can set you up for that. No, co- no, no coaching course can prepare you for, for that emotion, for that trauma, for that, that you've, got to, you've got to make split decisions and, and think outside the box. And for me, how could I motivate my players daily and keep them, keep them focused on winning games and keep them focused on performing and training? That's why, you know, I know I'm good at what I do because I've gone through it. And we came through it on the other side, but I couldn't do it alone. I had to have the support around me. John Andrews, Barry Knowles, Dan Reese, who come from Liverpool with me, Chris Ochwat, other people, my local Indian coaches, who were, they were amazing. And these guys weren't earning a lot of money, as in the staff. The players were earning good money. It was a really good and healthy budget that I had. But um, like I said, mate, some some. Myself and Johnny and, and Barry and the staff, we, we'd have a, a glass of red wine of a night time to soften the blow. But during the day, you've got to put your game face on. I had to be the face, you know, hugging, hugging me players, reassuring them, guys, we're going to be OK, we stick together. But also telling them at the same time, if they decided to down tools, I down tools with them. I would support any decision they made. And they all came to me and said, Gaffer, we're not leaving this club unless you leave this club within through thick and thin and we stick together. And like I said, mate, that was for me, told me a story about myself and, and my sort of, you know, knowledge and my, my antics as a person that they believed in me. I believed in them, you know, and for us not to be paid for six months and go on and win a cup and finish sixth in the league. Um, that, that'll stay with me forever because it just shows me that them boys, we're just by my side and I'll, I'll always be grateful. But yeah, absolutely challenging and tough times, mate. Did they get paid in the end? They, do you know what, Con? They've just received an email from FIFA that they're getting the money that they're owed. And um, it, it, that to me, that's, I mean, you're talking five years ago where we had to put that complaint into FIFA. And um, I'm absolutely delighted that the boys, they won't get their full amount, but at least, they're going to be compensated in some way. And um, I'm delighted that 
you know, they, they're going to be getting compensated because they deserve it. But again, I will always be indebted to the staff and the players for sticking by me because it was a real challenging time. And, and that's why, you know, people say, oh, what experience does this coach have or that coach have? Well, I've had it. I've had every experience under the sun, um, which stands me in great stead now for where I'm going to move on to in the future. And, you know, it's prepared me the right way for how to approach different scenarios and different situations. And uh, like I said, I'm a glutton for punishment, <laughs> as they say, but I'm really, I'm recharged, I'm ready, and I'm excited at what, at what the next challenge is going to be. You've mentioned, obviously, um, the financial situation at Shelburne towards the end of your time there. But I'd, I'm interested to hear how you managed to come into the League of Ireland and become a, a hero around some parts. How did, how did that all come about? Well, it definitely wasn't the the, the, the twenty five yard tapping. I, I, we won't even go into that, Colin. Um, oh, we no, will. You know what, mate? I think. <laughs> I think like, hey, it, it, come on! You'd have been you'd have been proud of one of them. I'm sure you would. Now, it, I think, like 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 Tom made a point earlier on. I think I arrived at Shelbourne at, at the right time. Um, and and listen, I had no idea about the rivalry with Bowes, with with with, with Shamrock Rovers. Um, the Cork City, Derry City rivalries, um, the St. Pat's, the Derbies. It was it was a new experience to me and it was phenomenal. I mean, you've only got to look on them. I, I, I remember, and, and don't take this the wrong way, mate, but I remember you coming through as a young boy at UCD, um, this quick, quick, energetic, quick. pacey, what happened? you know, dy- dynamic winger. And I, and I think... I think Pat Fenlon put me at left-back one day and he says, Rog, he says, you're up against the young lad here. He said he could catch pigeons. And I, <laughs> I'd seen Conan on a bit of a couple of video clips and I'm thinking, oh, here we go. Um, how am I going to stop this young fella running past me? Um, but again, you go back to our days, mate, when we were playing and the characters that were in the game, the professionals, the, the men. Um, it was a really, really good time to be in the League of Ireland. Um, and again, meeting fans in the street. Even when I, when I, you know, I've not been home, like I said, for two years. But when you meet the fans from any club, it, it the banter's there, it, it, you know, the camaraderie's there, the passion's there. And I think that's what, I love a laugh and a joke, as you know. You know, there's a time to be serious. There's a time to be, to be, you know, a little bit lighthearted. And I feel as though we've always had that sort of capability where, you know, it, it doesn't matter what club people support or play for, as long as the respect's there and, and, and you know, the, the energy's there, then you can always make relationships. And I've always tried to pride myself on that and, and, and be nice to people. In terms of players that you have played with in the league, um, I know off air we were talking about Wezo and I'd love to hear, I'd love to for you to let people know um, your opinion on, on Wes. Um, but is there anybody else that, um, that stuck out? Where do you want me to start? I mean, there's that many players, but I think if you look at the, like, the likes of Paddy McCourt, Absolutely phenomenal. You, you can't coach what Wes Owen Paddy had for me. That's natural ability. Um, you can you can encourage them and you can you know try and give them ideas on how to you know become more tactically aware. But that natural ability was just phenomenal. Um, going back into our day, Joey and Doe, when when Joey came over, unbelievable talent. You know, unbelievable person. Um, Kevin Doyle. 
I remember Doyle when he was a young lad and, you know, you're looking at Kevin Strong, you know, powerful, brave. Um, Kevin Hunt when he was a Bose. Silky on the ball, great leader. Um, just so many good players, Cole, that we can we can revert back to. Um, Keith Fahey, Fats had unbelievable ability, as you know. Um, you know, just, I think, uh, another one as well, and, and, and he, he probably... He'll want me to give him a mention, but I'll mention him anyway. But George O'Callaghan. Well, Dave, I suppose one of the, you're talking about some of the great players that you came in contact with in your time in the League of Ireland, and you know three league titles, 03, 04 and 06. It, of those three, does one stand out above the other, or have you, you know, what would your memories be of those three league wins? Yeah, some great players come, um, like like we said, some fantastic teams: Cork City, Bohemians, Derry City. Um, Shamrock Rovers, but you know there was there was always teams St Pat's. You, you could pick so many, but um, the ones for me that would stand out would always have been Paddy McCourt, great ability on the ball, fantastic guy, just natural ability. Um, Kevin Doyle, I, I, I think I mentioned Kevin, strong, athletic, brave, always worked his socks off. Um, and Kevin's Kevin's good old teammate and, and a personal friend of mine, um, George O'Callaghan, just a, a box of tricks, Joe. Um, so predictable, um, unpredictable off the pitch as well. But that was his character, you know. Great guy. I, I was at his wedding, um, really close friends with him, and it, it, he just oozed class. You know, we, we knew every time we played against Cork City that George would be the man to. He could unlock defenses. He could create that little bit of of genius. Um, so yeah, the, the, the likes of George always stands out. Um, another one that I, I, I'd like to mention as well, and you know, God rest him. I, I was lucky enough to be his teammate, um, but Mark Farron, for me, was so on the as a player, um, pace, a, a, an eye for goal. Um, just you knew when you were playing against the likes of Mark that you know you had to be on your game because he that little split second he played between the lines and he played off the shoulder. Um, and I just thought I'd mention Mark as well because you know what a guy, and it, it's so sad that he, he's still not with us, you know. But um. Yeah, some great memories, some quality players and, and great great people as well, Tom. What did you fear most as a as a half coming up against a striker? Was it pace? Was it their physicality? Was it their strength? What was it with you that you were like, oh, not again? Do you know what, Coleman? I think I wasn't blessed with pace. I, I was never the, the quickest of players, um, but I felt as though I read the game pretty well. I felt as though my, my game intelligence sort of got me through at times I what don't get me wrong I wasn't slow I mean I could keep up with you even when you were younger <laughs> to us no I, I I think for me it was always the, the the threat of being done in behind or you know like like I'm saying there the likes of Kevin Doyle you know Shane Long them lads fans of Mark Mark was just them them lads with the pace that could really make you look silly if you weren't in the right position if you weren't on, on your game you know so Definitely being done with pace was was the main one for me, but not not in a way that I was afraid going into games. It was just that you were aware. Um, I used to love the battles. I used to love battling with Boots Grant. Boots, he's one of me one of my closest friends, and you know you knew when you were playing Glenn Crow, you knew that playing against these boys, you could give it and they give it back to you. And at the end of the game, there's all there was always a hug and a handshake, and you know. That, that was the type of games that you loved. And uh, people don't realise that, you know, that passion 
and the enthusiasm was always there, and but the respect was always there as well. It was always a common respect, and you appreciated good players and you appreciated good people. Yeah, obviously, um, won three league League of Ireland titles, which was an incredible feat for for any player. But do you ever feel that you could have been more successful if you had stayed on with with more clubs, like the, the likes of like you missed out on the Pats European run, you left Cork before they went and won the first division, and then Derry City as well. They went on when you when uh, when you left mid mid season to win the League Cup as well. So do you always have, do you have regrets about leaving those clubs too soon, possibly? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they say you know you should never look back, um, but you you look back with sort of trepidation. You look back and, and say to yourself, like you just mentioned that. What if you'd have stayed a little bit longer? And you know what, Conan? It wasn't. It wasn't that you were just being hasty and making sort of decisions to get up and leave. Um, if I, if I go back to Shells, I feel as though we could have won more cups. I feel as though as a group of players, we know that that period and that time that we were all together, we could have won the FAI Cup. We could have won. It. I mean, we were in the League Cup final away to Derry City. I actually missed the first penalty. Um, thanks for reminding me. Um, but you do look back and think we could have won more and we should have won more. Um, definitely going to Derry City. It was the right club. It was just the wrong time. Um, great, great club, great community, great fan base. Um, they demand, you know, nothing less than 100%. And, you know, you've got to conduct yourself the right way. And and when we go on to the likes of Cork City, um, that was me coming towards the latter stages. Um, I, was, I was a postman. I was working for on post, you know, and, and playing part time. And I, you know, when you're getting up at four o'clock in the morning on a Friday, and then you, you you're doing your day's work, and then you've got to drive 260 kilometres to go and play a home game, um, so and then staying over on a Friday night and doing a recovery session with the boys. So it wasn't, you know, people people probably look at it and go, ah, oh, you know, not much time here, not much time there. But there's a lot of logistical and a lot of sort of family family sort of issues at that time as well where you're looking at things and going can I get a little bit closer to home can I can I sort of start getting the coaching hat on that, that we already spoke about but um, listen great memories at every club uh, co no matter where I've been no matter what what time I spent great memories great people and, and, and you know memories that'll stay with you for, forever Speaking of looking back, uh, Dave, Conan likes to remind us that he once scored a goal from the halfway line at Daily Mount Park. <laughs> he, he likes to get that mentioned in at least once every episode. Um, I'm presuming if you were to be asked a question about the goal against Hijack Split, I'm thinking actually if you had a Euro for every time you've been asked about that goal against Hijack Split, you'd be sipping a champagne cocktail in a yacht in Monte Carlo because it was, it must be the standout moment in a way in your career. And you know what? It, it, it is, it, no matter where I go, or every conversation, always spoken about the Hadjik split goal. But for me, you know, what people don't realise is that Eamon Collins was our assistant manager at the time. And at the end of every training session, Eamon had always he'd love to finish with a bit of crossman finishing and a bit of shooting. And, but he'd bring every player in. So whether you were a defender, a midfield player, a fullback, you'd always go in and, and do your little bit of finishing. And, and I'm not kidding you, on the Monday and Tuesday before the game, um, we, we trained at Tolka Park obviously and we were finishing with, with crossing and finishing and I'm not kidding with my right and left foot I was putting volleys in on Monday and Tuesday and I remember some of the lads I think Ollie Cartle said to me Roggie try and keep one of them for Wednesday night will you <laughs> so it, you know it was it was just surreal that. but the big thing for me Con 
even though the goal went in and we 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 made history and it was the fact that there was so many League of Ireland fans from all around the country. The whole the whole country came together, different clubs, there was that many different flags and scarves in, in you know in Tolkien Park. That's the memory for me. And I think that's what showed me that what makes the league so special. And that, you know, people come together for the right reasons. And you can have your, you know, your rivalries and you can have your, you know, your bit of banter. And like I said, I love the banter myself. But that that showed me that night that people really cared about the league. Didn't matter whether it was Shells, whether it was Bowls, whether it was Pats, Rovers. People came together as one. And I think that's what makes the league so special. And I think that's what makes it so strong on and off the pitch that in, in, in those times, they'll come together and really stand up for each other. You got through then and you played Deportivo. Um, what was that experience like? Amazing. Absolutely amazing. It, it, again, it, it, Ollie Byrne obviously wanted to play the game and God rest him again. I love him to bits. He wanted to play the game at Lansdowne Road. And I remember us as a group of players were saying, Ollie, no, we want to play Tolka. Get them on the get, get small pitch, get them into the, you know, the, the, the tight field and get them into where, you know, they, they won't have experienced anything like this. And, you know, we've done it to split. We'll, we'll do it to these boys as well. But obviously, we've seen the bigger picture. There was, you know, financial gain for the club if we if we got a sellout at, um, at, at, at you know, Lansdowne Road as it was then. And again, Cole, it was just surreal experience you've got Pan the Army you've got Luque um, Diego Tristan um, Romero Andrade from Portugal just uh, Valeron Victor just a surreal experience but again we went into it full of confidence we you know we didn't fear anybody we, we had such a strong bond and a strong sort of work ethic within the group that we were just it was one of them where we knew whoever we came up against if they weren't on it that day, we were after them. Um, and I'll never forget Wes Houlihan. His performance at Lansdowne Road was just performances I've seen from a League of Ireland player. I think he ran the show. He got man of the match. And I think from that moment on, I think we all, even as teammates, stood back and said, Jesus, Wes, Wes has got a chance here. He's mm. got a chance to go on to much, much bigger things. And... You know, thankfully for him and, and thankfully for us being his teammates, the way he went on as well. But um, yeah, phenomenal experience. And just seeing how close we actually got to the group stages, but it wasn't meant to be. It's close though. And you were talking about the, the yeah. League of Ireland family, uh, Dave, and um, you know, we, we various people on Twitter have been in touch saying, you know, Tomas O'Doul said he loved giving Dave stick on the Camac and he gave it back. And he then describes you as a League of Ireland legend, pure gentleman. Stephen Doody, a Shells fan from your time there, was on <laughs> about that time. You pulled Jason Byrne away from two Shells fans when he was getting involved. And the very next match, you got involved with those two fans as well. <laughs> and Git uh, Uzel um, it was talking about the mooning incident, oh. or, or, as you describe it, a half moon. A half moon, a half moon. Um, <laughs> do you know what? Uh, Con, it's, it's they're, they're the memories that stay with you. Uh, it's like what I said, you know, I think the fans know me deep down. I'm just a good guy. You know, I love the banter. Um, would I give it back if I got a bit of stick? Absolutely. But it was all in good nature. It was never, it was never malicious. It was never, you know, in, in, a, in a degrading way. It was just having a banter back. And, you know, like I said, I think you can see 
I still have great relationships with, with, with fans from every club and I think that's the way it should be. I don't think you should ever take anything personal, um, you know, unless it starts getting involved in, you know, with your f- like that. That's when obviously it becomes a little bit, you know, irate and a little bit disheartening. But I have to say for myself, it's never come to that stage. It's always been, you know, proper banter, proper jokes, taking the Mickey out of my Scouse accent and, you know, um, being English, which is all part and parcel of it. But no, great lads. And, and I remember all the boys that you mentioned really well. And um, I think for me, I appreciate good people. You know, I appreciate, the, the like I said, the fans are what make the league special. The volunteers, they travel to European games. You know, they take out credit union loans. They save their money and they spend it for the sake of the club and for the good of the club. And you, you can't take that away from them, Con. And, and I think that's what makes it of Ireland a really good league and... You know, a league that people want to be part of and want to keep seeing develop in the right way. I'm interested to know why, uh, why you were pulling people off, Jay, uh, why you were pulling Jason off two fans and then you went after them. Then a few weeks later, can you remember it? Conan, I do remember it. I think <laughs> I'll tell you what it happened. Jay had missed a couple of chances, which listen, Jason, legend, but he, he was the type of striker where he'd always score a goal or, or two but he'd miss a few chances as well at the same time. And, and to be fair, at least he was in the positions to miss them. But I remember the game and he was getting a bit of stick and, and I went over and I dragged him away. And, you know, I, uh, Jay, come on, don't worry about it. Come on, you've just put two in the back of the net. Yeah, but they're having a goal because I never got a hat trick. And I said, forget about it. You're okay, come on. And then I think it was about two weeks later, I think I missed kicked the ball or something. And then they had a pop at me at the end of the game and I'm going, well, I got a minute. What's going on? <laughs> um, but no, do you know what? Again, Conan, it was all part and parcel of, of the, the atmosphere and the passion and the heat of the moments. But it was it was never malicious. It was always, you know, standing up for yourself, but doing it in a way that, you know, you could always have that little bit of banter with the fans and, you know, they'd have a pop at you, you'd have a pop back and um, still meet them in the bar at the end of the game and, uh, you know, have a pint of Guinness with them and talk about the good times. And, and, and again, you know, for me, the, the, their memories are just as special as what the memories that you create on the field as well. Dave, I'm just thinking um, you're watching matches over there at all hours. You know, the cup final in England yesterday would have been, what, nine o'clock in the morning or something in uh, Arizona yeah. time. Um, but a great day for Leicester, a great day for Brendan Rodgers. And I'm just wondering, um, well, first of all, you're not related I think he, he spells it slightly different, doesn't he? But, um, spelled, it, spelled differently. Yeah. Secondly, uh, I'm wondering, would you have worked with him in your spell with um, the Liverpool Academy? I mean, would you have had contact with him? Yeah, do you know what, Con? It's, it's what an amazing achievement for Leicester City um, and for Brendan. Um, I think for any aspiring coach, if they look at Brendan's story and look at his journey, I think it just gives you inspiration, um, you know, to see where he started off as a community coach and going into the, the youth academies and then getting his opportunities at Swansea and Watford and Reading. Um, and, and, you know, with some of them clubs, he didn't really do too too well. But to, to, to be on the journey that that man's been on um, is absolutely phenomenal. I was lucky enough that when I, when I was at Liverpool as the international academy manager, I got to see Brendan's work firsthand. Um, had had a little bit of interaction with him every now and again. In really going to into Melwood, you'd be invited in to watch some sessions and listen to feedback. And he's just a phenomenal person. Um, an open book, 
always on hand for advice and even the coaches around him just used to feed off his knowledge and his experience and um, just a really good man and like you said you know the, the, the stuff he achieved at Celtic was phenomenal but to go and achieve what he's achieved at Leicester City as well where let's be honest you know people gave him a lot of a lot of stick for walking out on Celtic and you know why would he leave Celtic mm. and take the Leicester City job but you know he he's proved people wrong now he's, he's got them in the top three He's won the FA Cup and it's um, it's onwards and upwards for Brendan. But again, what an inspiration to any young coach. Myself, you know, as a coach, to, to see the, the journey he's been on and the success he's achieved. Yeah. And the only second manager in, in, in history for uh, to win both the Scottish Cup and the, the FA Cup after one Alex Ferguson. So if he could replicate anything that, uh, that that man has achieved, he'd be doing very, very well. But he's just, I, I, I love the fact of, of how... How personable he is, he's just seems to be a, just as you said said there, just a, a very very good person. And um, first and foremost, looks after his players. And you mentioned that at the start of start of this interview about the type of coach that you are as well. Um, what's next for for Dave Rogers? I know we talked about you're coming home, and mm-hmm. um, you want to get involved in the league, but what else? Conan, I, I've got ambitions, and I've I've always had this ambition, and it's been more since I, I went in as the assistant manager with the Indian national team, I, I, I would love to go on and become a national team manager. That's, that's my ambition. Um, in between that, obviously, I'm home. Um, I love the league. There's no, there's no question about it. And, you know, people from all angles keep asking me, are you going to manage in the league? And Absolutely, I want to. I feel as though I've got so much to offer. Um, like I said, I've... I've done things my way. I've, I've not been part of the, you know, as people would say in the past, the merry-go-round and as an ex-player, you know, having the divine right that I should be given a manager's job. Not for me. I wanted to strip it all back down, you know, go back to basics, learn my education as a coach and do it my way. I wanted to do it the Dave Rogers way and not, not you know, being told or being pushed in, in any way from anyone or any sort of, you know, interference from, from different, different areas. Um, yeah, I love club management. I absolutely love it. I love going in and making players better. I love making clubs better. I love creating cultures and, you know, giving an identity to a club and, you know, the passions there, the obsessions there. Um, but the long the long haul for me and the long-term objection, uh, objective, objection, long-term objective for me is to go on and be a, a national team manager. And I think an inspiration there as well as Michael O'Meal. I look at my, I mean, Michael started off at Brecon City, you know, part of his job in Scotland and he gets the job at Shamrock Rovers, does an amazing job at Rovers. Um, you know, and look where he is now. He, he's gone into Northern Ireland, transformed them, you know, on and off the field and, you know, implemented, you know, so many structures and foundations and programmes. And then, he, you know, he's, he's back in at Stoke City now. So that's the type of, you know, inspiration that I'm looking at, but in the short term, and when I say short term, I'm only 45, you know, um, yeah, I'm getting older, but I'm still, I'm still young. Um, Conan, you, you don't do the pro license. You don't go on and do the pro license and then just expect to sit on your backside and, and say, Oh, I've got my certificate and that's me. I'm, I'm not one of them people. I committed the last nine years of my life and sacrificed my family to to get this education, to get these qualifications, because I truly believe in what I'm good at. You know, I, I believe I'm a good coach. Um, I believe I'm good at 
developing the person first and foremost. And maybe that's down to all the, the banter and, the, you know, the characteristics that I've had as a player and um, the personality. I think you've got to have that right balance. Um, don't get me wrong. To a time and a place where you've got to, you know, you, you've got to put people in their place in the right way and, um, and demand. And I've got the highest of standards. You know, I think I've learned that from, from managers that I've played under. Pat Fenman, highest of standards ever, and Roddy Collins the same, and even in Scotland, Jockey Scott at Dundee. Um, you pick up things that, that stick with you, but having my own identity and my own personality and my own style, it, it, I feel I've definitely got a lot to offer. Um, the right club, the right atmosphere, the right environment, the right people, people that believe in what I believe in. Um, and yeah, you know, it, it's like what I said, it, the journey is is just just beginning again, but we're on our way home and let's let's see what the future holds. Well, listen, Dave, um, have a safe journey home. I'm I'm jumping a few steps ahead probably at the moment here. Um, but I can remember an English man who managed the Irish national team in the past who did uh, fairly well, won Jack <laughs> Charlton. So who knows? Legend. Maybe you might be you might be the next uh, English man to take charge at some point in the future. Um, I think yeah, a lot of Irish fans would fall in love with you pretty quickly, um, Dave. No, I can't. I, I, again, I, I've always appreciated you, mate. But, you know, if we, we go back 15, 20 years, I think the work that you've done for the League of Ireland has been absolutely outstanding. You're a, you're a stand-up person. Um, Conan, the same. You know, first time I played against Conan, great, great guy. Always been friends. We, we've always, you know, stayed in touch. The way Conan does for the league on and off the field is phenomenal. Um, I think he's like the Tim Man these days when he's playing. He's still playing. He's like the Tim Man <laughs> from the Wizard of Oz. Um, but no, guys, listen. Cheers, mate. No, <laughs> I'll, I'll bring some good oils for you, mate. You'll be okay. Um, but listen, you know, for me, like I said, the league close to me heart always has been, always will be. And especially as long as there's good people like yourselves that keep promoting it and keep, you know, pushing it in the right direction, then um, it's going to keep going in the, in the right way. And, you know, I want to thank you boys. Um, hopefully it won't be too long before I'm on the touchline somewhere. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm itching, I'm eager, I'm hungry. Um, and again, thanks very much for everything that you've, uh, you've spoke to me about. Thanks a million to you for taking the time to talk to us, Dave. And as I say, have a safe journey back. I'm sure you will be on the touchline very soon. And Conan and myself will be giving you a stick for the decisions you make. <laughs> <laughs> but listen, we wish you the very best of luck, Dave. It's a real pleasure talking to you as ever. And uh, thanks. as I say, safe traveling. Thanks very much, Con. Thanks, Conan. Cheers, boys. Do you know, Conan, one thing listening to Dave Rogers there, he's a very infectious character, isn't he? He's a, I mean, obviously, you know him well from him, played with him at, at uh, Fingal, but. What a great character. Brilliant, Conan. Like, um, I suppose that's what we were taught. We, we want in our league. Like, we want characters like that with a bit of personality and enthusiasm who brings a lot of energy to to the club and to the league. And, like, I think Dave has that in abundance, you know. And um, I think that he would suit a number of roles in here. Not Maybe not just even as a manager, Conan, but even, even further up the line as a technical director. He's done it before in Arizona. The fact that he's... He's had to. He's gone through so much in his coaching career as well. Like a lot, considering what, what happened in India. Um. Yeah. So it's re- really interesting and a really interesting guy as well. So. Um, yeah. I don't think it'll be long before he's working here for somebody. Pretty. Soon. Oh, 
look, his CV speaks for itself. As I said to him yeah. in the as I said to him in the interview, like that, he could work at a higher level than the League of Ireland with with the CV that he has. So, um, yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting to see where he goes. Con, that's 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 that'll be the interesting one. Well, we wish him well on his uh, travels back to Ireland over the next uh, week or so. Uh, listen, let's have a look at the first division this weekend. Um, Bray beat Cabantili 3-0 in the match they're now calling El Dartico. Um, Dylan Barnett, Richie O'Farrell and Gary Shaw. Another goal for Gary Shaw there as Bray win uh, 3-0. Um, Galway 1-0 winners over Wexford. David Hurley in the 95th minute for... Uh, John Caulfield's men there. Uh, UCD in Cork City, nil-nil. Uh, so UCD stay unbeaten. Three clean sheets in a row for Cork. And Treaty United, 1-0 winners against Athlone. Jack Lynch, the scorer for Treaty United there. Athlone have lost their last three in a row. On Saturday then, Cove won. Shells two. Shells came from behind to win that one and are now uh, top of the table. But it's still pretty tight at the top. Uh, Shells 18, UCD on 16. Athlone and Treaty 13 points apiece and actually next week Shells play UCD so that's going to be a big one it is going to be a big one especially with the scores that 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 this this uh with the Shells Shells game con down to St Coleman's Park it's, Shells have really struggled down there over the last number of years and they didn't st- they didn't start the game pretty pretty well Connor Drynan opened the scoring and then they could have went 2-0 behind but for Brendan Clark to to make a save you have a stat on Brendan Clark there don't you con well, apparently, um, according to League of Ireland Stato, uh, it is the 11th time he saved a penalty in the League of Ireland, which is, uh, I think he's up near the top five all-time penalty savers in the league. So that's some... It, 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 he saved one from you, did he? Give over, Con, will you? Jesus. Going to get you. Gone. <laughs> At least I you wouldn't... didn't put it over the crossbar. <laughs> yeah, he was in my head that day as well. Um, yeah. But yeah, it was... Um, so to come to go in at halftime one nil instead of the two nil was huge, and then that man again. Look, I, I keep talking about him, Ryan Brennan, con, um, coming up with the goods once again, um, and it's a he's just that's three weeks in a row now he's he's done it, you know. And John Ross Wilson, great managerial uh, substitution, fairness, and uh, Michael Barker made way for John Ross Wilson midway through the second half and got the goal to to make it two one and or to make it one all to before Ryan scored so brilliant win for Shells down there Con really is um, it's a very very hard place to go the players won't be used to that t- type of surface as well because it is a difficult surface and if Shells go two points clear at the top um, and then UCD obviously uh, we're, we're held on, on Friday to, to Cork and I was speaking to some people in, involved in UCD after the game who, who sense that, uh, that that feel that Cork are in a, a false position um, just given the fact that they like their work rate, their energy, Colin Healy, the way that he has them played, and the only thing that they're missing would be that goal threat. Um, because they did have plenty of chances in the game to to score. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how Cork will do over the over the next coming weeks because they've had that's two good results in a row now. Um, beating Wexford obviously at home and um, getting a draw up against UCD. So it is a good result. So yeah, those are the, the three top. clean sheets in a row is, is a good sign. And actually, their next game is at home to Galway. So John Caulfield will be going back to Turner's Cross. So that'll be an interesting one as well. It would have been very interesting, Con, if the score had to remain nil all against Wexford. Um, Wexford, the Whipping Boys, up until uh, well, they would have been the, the they are the Whipping Boys, and not for David Hurley. And I don't know if I spoke to you before about. Dave, David Hurley but he was the one player in the first division when I was in it two years ago 
that stood out for for Cove Ramblers when he played for them. Um, I thought that he was, could go on to do he, big things in this league, and it, I don't know, hadn't worked out for him. And even with Galway now, he's been in and out of the team. So I just really hope now that that ninety fifth minute goal will just lift him and bring him on a little bit because he's a he's a super player, he's super strike to to to, to win the game for them. And um, yeah, hopefully he'll kickstart their season a little bit because look, they haven't they haven't started the game well at all. Of the season well. When you say he impressed you uh, when you were playing in the first division, what was it about him? Was it pace, ball control, movement? What what was it about him that kind of made him stand out a bit? Yeah, I suppose Colin, when I'm I was on the bench that day when down in St. Coleman's Park and when I'm sitting on the bench, I very rarely look I very rarely look at the ball. I look I look at players, um I look at their movement, um I look at their maybe their leadership qualities if they have if they have if they have that about them but i loved his positioning for the he played in the six role for cove and his positioning that he sat in front of the back four and he just played everything so simple and so so dirt like just played everything simple you couldn't have it was a more it was a very very complete performance against a, a strong shelburne side that obviously went on and won the division um his passing range as well was really, really good. He's a left-footed, uh, left-footed player. Um, short pass, long pass. Nothing phasing. Wanted the ball in tight areas. Um, com- no, no issue with confidence. He was just. He was absolutely superb. And I always like. I thought that he would have pushed on. I thought Cork City might have signed him actually for the twenty twenty season, and that didn't. That didn't materialize. For whatever reason, he might have just wanted to stay in Cove. Maybe no, no club went for him. I did mention him to a couple of managers, um, who do come to me for a f- bit of advice. But um, yeah, so we went to went to Galway this year, and I, th- I, I really thought then that he'd he'd kick on, and I'm delighted now that he's he's got off the mark. As I said, wonderful strike, and um, yeah, hopefully it, it'll 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 uh, keep him going. I'm going to keep an eye out for him for sure over the next uh, few weeks. I, I think he's at a good club anyway, you know, and he's got good coaches around him. So it'll be really interesting to see whether he um, progresses. Um, Treaty United, that's a, a great, I mean, in, in fairness, Tommy Barrett has to take a lot of credit as well um, to get a former Taoiseach on, uh, on your team, Jack Lynch, <laughs> uh, who, who is still showing no sign of ageing. Uh, no, but it was Jack Lynch who got the goal on 22 minutes for Treaty. A lovely goal as well. I don't know if you saw it, but beautiful football um, and a fine finish. So, you know, three defeats in a row now for Athlone, who, who started the season with four wins and a draw and have now lost three in a row. So they play Cove next, Athlone. And they'll be looking to get back on the the, the winning um, streak after that. But uh, for Treaty, you know they're up to thirteen points. They're flying, and like we've talked about Tommy before um, about how well he's done this season with um, coming into the league so late. So they wouldn't have had the preseason that other teams would have had. Um, signing a lot of local players, which was absolutely massive for Treaty. But then bringing in, as I said, I think I've talked about this before, the experienced players like Mark Ludden and Joel Strain, who was. Who made his first appearance of the season yesterday? Um, the goal epitomizes what Treaty are all about as well. A wonderful true ball. I think it was by McSweeney, Sean McSweeney. That's and, right. And then Jack Lynch with a wonderful finish. So um very calm and composed finish by the by the captain. And that's what you want from your captain. You want them to lead by example. And Jack has done that this season. He's been really, really good in the games that I've that I've seen. And um yes, yeah, still unbeaten too. They're flying. Yep. 
Um, by the way, you mentioned Wexford there as kind of the whipping boys, and they are the only team in the division with no points. Uh, announced over the weekend that Ian Ryan is coming in as their new manager, and I know you tweeted that you, you thought that was a really good selection by them, and obviously he's somebody that you know pretty well. Yeah, I, yeah, I know him well. I, I played with him at, at Shelburne back in the 2011 and 2012 season. Um, but yeah, that would, like, I wouldn't... Oh, yeah, I know. You're not buzzing like, buddies. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, but obviously, like with my contacts within the game, con you hear about up and coming coaches and um, managers that are going to do well. And whoever I spoke to told me that about Ian Ryan. Um, and what I like about Wexford is the fact that they they didn't look come go looking for a. Uh, um, a high-profile name. Um, they went looking for somebody that could bring the club forward. And in, by all accounts, is the man to do that. And and for a number of different reasons. Um, he's the Leinster Schools manager. So that alone, I don't know, it, it, it allows Ian access to the best young players in Leinster. Yeah. Like, so there you go. That's that. Um, he's also a UCD's assistant manager for the last number of years. And he's been responsible for bringing in the likes of Colin Whelan to the club, Liam Carrigan, Jack Keeney, Sam Todd. Most of those players have come in through, through Ian and the, the contacts that he has made through, um, through, his, through his work. So yeah. like, take, take those two aside. His coaching um, philosophy has impressed a wide variety of people involved in, in the game here. Um, I was talking to Collie O'Neill about him. Um, Collie O'Neill was obviously manager of, of UCD when um, UCD got promoted. And Collie said that he thought he was top class, really, really good, progressive. Um, and for Wexford now to... to Bring somebody like Ian in. Um, it's a it's a risk for him, Con. And, and and I'll tell you why the why it's a risk as well. I know it might be kind of going on a little, a little bit on this, but it might be a risk for him because he's putting so much. Like I'm guessing he might have spent the last eight or nine years going working up the coaching ladder. And what if it doesn't work out for him at Wexford? Where does he go after Wexford? Yeah, you know. Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, but the only thing is, he's coming in at a point where the club can't really get much worse like they've no points in the table they're shipping goals although albeit this weekend they they ran Galway very close so it, it would seem that the only way is up yeah the only way is up and that's probably the way Ian might be looking at it but it also in the sense that it's a very it can be a very it's a great club you know it has mm. like it's it's not long ago that they that they that Shane Keegan won the first division with them and um, brought them to the premier division um, and it just needs them. I felt it just needs the right people involved, and I think Ian could be that could be that spark that that lights football up back in Ferry Carry Park. I really do, and I I do wish him all the best. Obviously, I played with him, and um, as I said at Shelburne earlier on, and he's a he's had a wonderful career himself as a player. Had to retire early due, due to injury. Um, so yeah, I wish him well. 
Um, in the Women's National League this weekend, Shells 5-0 winners against Galway, um, P-Mount 3-1 against uh, Cork City, Eleanor Ryan Doyle with uh, a couple of goals there for P-Mount. Wexford Utes 7, Bowes 1, Kylie Murphy with a couple, Lauren Kelly also uh, with a brace for Wexford Utes there. One of those goals from Kylie Murphy, by the way, smashing, a bullet header. Um from a great cross, it was a super win for Wexford Utes and uh, DLR Waves, 1-0 winners away to Athlone. So P-Mount, still 100% record, 18 points at the top of the table. Wexford Utes with 16, Shells with 15 and DLR Waves with 13. Um, so that's still tight in the, the Women's League. And again, some smashing goals this weekend, just from the, the goals that I've seen, thanks to uh, uh, LOI TV, uh, some smashing efforts. Cracking goals and cracking games, Con. Um, and we've talked about Kylie Murphy before as well. Like she, she's their the penalty taker down in Wexford, but it just goes to show that she just she can score all all sorts of goals. And as you said, there was a brilliant goal, um, that she scored. And again, DLR Waves, Con. They they wanted to push on this season, um, and they really have. I think that's three or four wins in the trot now for them. Really, really well organized. They don't concede a lot of goals. Um, which yeah, we're looking at the front, the the the, the top three really, isn't it? It's Shell, P Mount, and Wexford, and um, Shell's only defeat came against P Mount. P Mount on a hundred percent record. It'll be interesting to see how when when Shells do take on Wexford, how how that game will go. Um, Saoirse Noonan again on the score sheet today. So yeah, it's going to be um like that. See, that's the difference between the the men's and the women's league. The women's league will be very. I can see it going right down to the wire, whereas with yeah. the men's league, I don't. Yeah, um, yeah, that's Sir Noonan. I think it was a penalty for Shells today. Kira Grant has scored in that uh, game as well. So they've you know some really top top players, and uh, I agree. I think uh, um, it's going to be tight. Um, just one last thing before we go. The you were talking earlier on about the Derry players who didn't surround the referee and give him grief when Rovers took that throw in from further on down the pitch than they should have, and it just reminded me because I watched. Um, your game the other night, Glenavon, um, against Warren Point, and you came on as a sub. And at one point, you were flagged for offside when you were clearly onside. It was a terrible decision. My God, you gave the referee some lashing of the uh, <laughs> tongue. Jeez, I thought, God, he's still as firing as well. He's only a couple of matches left to play, and he's <laughs> here he is giving the referee for an offside decision. Do you, you know the one I'm talking about, do you? Con, that's actually a funny story. <laughs> I actually wasn't talking to the referee. Obviously, the linesman was over the far side, so I can't talk to him. So I'm shouting at the referee, hoping that the linesman will hear me through his mic. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah, I was I was I was saying to the referee, can he hear me? And the referee said, Yeah, of course he can hear you. And then I was obviously giving him some stick over it. Yeah. Well, David Jeffrey was on uh, co-commentary, and he he felt um, it was a terrible decision anyway. So uh, just actually, just and I know actually I, I'm conscious now. I don't want to run over time, but in terms of the standard of the officiating that you found in the league there versus the league down here. Is there a difference? Have you noticed a difference or? Can I be honest? <laughs> well, do you want to wait until you finish up before you're really honest? <laughs> oh my God, I want to say something so bad. Um, yeah, there's a there's a difference, Con. There is a, there is a big difference. I think that's kind of says it all, doesn't it? Well, see, I still don't know whether you think yeah. they're better up there or worse. <laughs> 
the worst comic book. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're, they're a lot worse. They're a lot worse. And see, there are fans <laughs> listening to us down here who think we have the worst referees. But actually, I don't. I, by and large, I think the standard actually isn't the worst here by any means. No, you see, there's what there. <laughs> There's one or two, one or two, <laughs> two referees down here, gone. But um, yeah, there is about six or seven up there. So um, yeah, there, yeah no, yeah. don't look. Um, there is a, obviously there's great referees in both both leagues. I'm not being diplomatic here now, but there is, um, yeah. and they all can't get decisions right. And it's a terrible, it's a tough job for them. But some decisions that that are made, I don't know where they, I I don't know what game they're looking at. Yeah. So yeah. But, yeah. Well, I was when I saw you giving your man grief the other night. I thought, fair play. I was, I was <laughs> delighted actually to see it. So well done. That will never uh, stop. <laughs> Listen, it's going to be a busy one next weekend with the double uh, games again. Friday, Monday. It's pretty relentless um, at the moment before the mid-season break. So. Um, We'll have plenty to talk about then. Thanks a million to Dave Rogers for being our guest uh, this week. And thanks to you for listening to us as well. Don't forget, you can catch us on Twitter, LOI underscore arena, um, or Conan and myself are on Twitter as well, all the time as well. LOI, uh, or sorry, pundit, uh, LOI at punditarena.com is the email address if you do want to uh, send us an email about anything that you want to get in touch about. Uh, so thanks a million for listening. Thanks to you, Conan. And uh, we'll talk to you next week. Yep. Yeah? Thank you, Con.